While this notion seems so cliche, it's one that I think fits today's conversation. You know, when life gives you lemons, you should make lemonade. We've all heard that, right? And that is making the best out of a bad situation. Now, we've all faced disappointments. We've all had things that did not work out like we thought they should. In addition to that, some of us have had to face bad news situations, the things that just kind of knock you off your feet and you wonder if you have the strength fortitude, and confidence to recover. And to that, I say, when life gives you lemons, make lemonade. Our conversation today is going to blow you away. I invite you to listen all the way through because there are so many life nuggets, experience nuggets, triumphant nuggets that are going to help you pick up the pieces whenever you receive a tough blow and certainly make lemonade out of your lemons. Now let's get into it. For the longest time, I secretly wanted more. I often found myself shrinking to fit in, settling for what was comfortable and even selling myself short. Once I finally accepted that we deserve success and we are blessed with the power to achieve it, I stopped playing small. I'm serious about building a life I love and you should be too. I'm Denise Taylor of DeniseTaylor.live and welcome to Embrace Your Power. I help women prioritize themselves, their success, and their happiness. Now let's meet this week's achiever whose story will inspire you to embrace your power and go. Well, hello there. It's Denise Taylor. You know, I'm always excited to have you tune in with me each and every week right here on Embrace Your Power. You see, this is the place where you can always count on me to encourage you to build a life that you love. Around these parts, we believe that God has not given us a spirit of fear, that he has given us power. And when we embrace our power, we can be, do, have, and achieve anything that we want. This is the place where you can always get a dose of encouragement, a dose of inspiration, a dose of empowerment, and a you-go girl. We are here to cheer you on to build a life that you love. Now, whether you are watching me on YouTube, or maybe you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, you are tuned in to a place that will help to ignite your faith. We want to be a part of your success journey. So being connected should make a difference in your life that you can sense. I want you to know that you matter to me. And that is the reason why I would love to get your feedback. So if you haven't taken time to rate and review the podcast, please do so. That is also a way that the listening algorithms will make sure to serve up all this good content to someone else who needs to be encouraged. And if you're not subscribed, do that today. That way we can stay in lockstep with one another and you won't miss a thing. Now around these parts, we believe in the success superpowers. There are five of them. The first one is see yourself successful. The second is shake off fear. The third, do the work. The fourth is take care of you. And the fifth is hold fast to your faith. Now, I'm not going to hold us long on this upfront opener because the conversation today is going to blow you away. If I could do a poster child for embrace your power, for the superpowers in one person and experience, my guest today, Billy Ewing, would be the face. Her story of victory and overcoming is one that just utterly inspired me even in the moment. She is so courageous and she did not let her battle with a brain tumor stop her. In fact, she turned her pain into 
purpose. And she ignited her passion to serve and raise her voice. Now, y'all know I get excited about people raising their voices because there are other people who need to hear your testimony and need to hear your experience so that they know they can get through it too. As I had this conversation with Billy, I am telling you, I was motivated. I was empowered and I was so grateful that she did not acquiesce to a pity party, but instead she embraced her power. So let's get into it. So I'm so excited to have Billy Ewing join me today. I will tell you somehow I stumbled onto her page and got exposed to her mission. And the more I read about her story, the more I was compelled to reach out because I knew that I wanted to lift her voice. So let me just tell you a little bit about what I read and then give her a chance to let us know more about her and her experience. So What captivated me is reading the line that said, almost eight years into survivorship, you still hear the whisper, I cannot believe this happened to me. And when someone has something traumatic happen to them, that is our immediate perspective. But I love how Billy has turned her pain into purpose, her pain into passion, and how she is showing up to be such a light for others. Now you discovered that you had a benign brain tumor and you went through a very complex surgery and that in and of itself is such a huge testimony to just how God has kept his loving arms around you, kept you safe. And instead of sulking, you started serving and that is what caught my attention. I love how you turned your test into a testimony and I wanted to bring you to embrace your power so that we could understand more about how you're exactly doing that, embracing your power. So I want to welcome you to the podcast and I want to give you a chance to dive in by introducing yourself and then we'll unpack your story together. Okay. Thank you so much, Denise. And like when you shared that with me, I was just like, wow, I do believe that there are no accidents and and luck, you know, that God's hand is on everything. So I'm really honored and happy to be here with the Embrace Your Power group today. So I am Billy Ewing. That is my real name. I'm named after my father, who was William. So I'm his namesake. I'm Billy Ewing. Um, Today, I am a 45-year-old wife, mother of three beautiful children, uh, born and raised in the Gym City, the the city of flight and funk, Dayton, Ohio. Proud of that, very proud of that. It has definitely shaped a, a big portion of who I am as a person. I love singing. I've been using my voice since I had knew that I had a voice. So I've been singing and talking a lot of times in school when I wasn't supposed to. But even my teachers knew that one day she that's going to be that's her gift, you know, and we, we're going to help hone that and not uh, put her in too much trouble for it and show her how to use it in the right way. So uh, I am a proud member of one of the best sororities in the world, Delta Sigma Theta. I'm a proud graduate of Wright State University. And I share these things because they they are significant moments in my general life journey that also just shape who I am. Mm, beautiful. And I'm a believer. I'm a believer, which is when we'll get into a little bit more about Billy's believers. I'm a bona fide believer, thanks to my mother who who prayed over us in her womb. Mm-hmm. So I've never known life without knowing God. That's so powerful. You know, I think the thing that struck me, because oddly enough, the post that I saw and how it ended up in my feed, I have no idea. But the (laughs) post that I saw was you had gone out for a celebration dinner and you ran into somebody and found that you had a common ground with them. And I started reading the story where in that moment, you were celebrating the fact of the doctors and you were 
celebrating, you know, the victory you had had at that moment. And it captivated me. It made, it was one of those moments, you know, how you say, let me click in here and see what let else me click is in here. here. <laughs> let me click in here and see what that look. And it's so funny because I don't even, a lot of times I will ask how someone may um, have found me because this wasn't a part of my plan. This happened to me. And like you said, I, I did quickly take that test and turn it into a testimony and, and put great purpose to that pain. But um, my I never said, well, I'm going to be a, a social media influencer. It wasn't that. So I don't um, do all the reels and don't know all the, you know, the things that you should do per se to attract people intentionally to your page I genuinely want to raise awareness by sharing my story and so God does things like this throws me randomly in your feed so that we can share this moment and accomplish both of our goals Mm -hmm. well you know I was born and raised in the gym city too and so that was another (laughs) common feature that really caught my attention so let's dive in a little bit let's unpack this incredible testimony that you have that God has blessed you to still be here and share to encourage others with tell us about the symptoms you began experiencing and what were some of those initial steps that you took? Sure. Well, I've been wearing glasses since I was 18. And when I would put my glasses on, they were for distance and like night driving. So you would possibly never just see me walking around with them, but you would definitely see me with them at night and, and when I'm in the car. So fast forward to really literally 18 years later, I'm now 36, and I began to notice that when I would put my glasses on, my vision would not clear up like it normally would. I mean, it would become 2020 crystal clear. And so at that time, it was um, 2013, and in October, it was going to be time for my regular annual eye exam. So I said to self, really make sure you tell Dr. Lesh that something funky's been going on with the eye and you're putting your glasses on and then stuff that's not getting, you know, clearing up. So after eye exam there, he did ask me um, and I bombed it. And he said, wow, that's never happened. You know, and he said, have you been having any headaches, dizziness, anything like that? I said, no, because I hadn't. He uh, refers me to an ophthalmologist and I'd never even been to an ophthalmologist. And the way the, the craziness of that is the ophthalmologist end up being my father's ophthalmologist. My father did have diabetes and I was nine two when I was born. So that's one of like the first signs of big old healthy, juicy baby. Um, so they tested me then. I've never had it. So when I got to Dr. Miller, he still had my father's information and he was thinking maybe that there was a link to pre-diabetes and that because if you know anything about diabetes, blurry vision is also one of its known symptoms and that uh, did not pan out. That's not what it was. He couldn't figure it out. And he, too, asked me, had you had a headache, blackouts, seizure, anything? And I'm in my head. I said, wow, that's the same thing Dr. Lesh asked. That's, no. But no one would proceed to say why they were asking me that. So now he refers me to a neural ophthalmologist. And from that first regular eye exam appointment to me meeting Dr. Fleischman, nine months had passed. So we are now into July of 2014. And the moment that I walked in the door, because of his expertise, He asked me before I even sat down, have you ever had an MRI? And he didn't tell me in that moment, but he told me later that he could see the nuances because what happens was the tumor, he ordered that MRI and it revealed that it was a brain tumor wrapping around my optic nerve. So as the tumor was continuing to grow and get bigger, it was pushing this right eye forward ever so slightly, but forward. And, and if my eye would tear. And so I would, just how I am now, you would, if you saw me, I'm, I would always do this, always do this. And I would just kept saying like, 
if I had allergies, because I do, it would be both eyes or I'd be sneezing, you know, just the pieces to the puzzle, they weren't lining up. Mm-hmm. And so he ordered that MRI. I got the results. Um, August the 11th, he called me on the phone. And the whole time, the whole time, I am literally thinking the bad news that I'm waiting to receive was that I was going to need LASIK. Because again, it was, I only had vision issues, no pain, no headaches, no seizures, no blackout, no cognitive, nothing. So my mind never said anything beyond a vision issue. And I don't know about where you live, but every 10, 15 minutes, there's a commercial on the radio about LASIK vision, <laughs> uh, specifically from a, a doctor that's like, you know, he's the known doctor here for us. So the whole time I'm like, man, watch he call and tell me I got to have LASIK. And I'm petrified because it's this laser eye surgery. You know, I'm, 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 I'm already freaked out about that, literally. And when he calls to tell me, his voice is real solemn. You know, he said, I got the results back from the MRI. And I said, I got to have LASIK, don't I? And then the phone went quiet for a little bit. And he said, is that what you thought this whole time? And I'm, I said, yeah. And then his voice got real somber. I said, why are you? Why do you sound so serious? And he said, I don't really know any other way to say this other than to say, you have a brain tumor that has been wrapping around your optic nerve, and that's what's causing your vision loss and vision issues. It, it felt like the ground fell away from me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was in my bedroom. It was a Sunday morning. I was getting ready to go to church. Spirits lifted high and happy. And I literally dropped to to my knees. And if it wasn't for my bed being positioned where it was, uh, I might have tumbled down my steps because that's just how my room is set up. It, it was it was unreal. And I said, no, I, I just kept saying like, no, like we don't have to do that. Like I will have the LASIK. Like mm-hmm. we don't have to do it, Brian. What do you mean? Mm-hmm. And he said, I know it's a lot. I know it's a lot to take in, but I've sent your information to the best neurosurgeon in the region and they're going to call you. And when they call you, you do exactly what they say to do. Do not get scared. Do exactly what they say to do. Mm. And August the 28th, I meet my neurosurgeon. I see the MRI for the first time. And that is officially when we begin again, this process of going from patient to survivor to advocate had my surgery September 9th, 12 days later of 2014. Wow, that's incredible. So, you know, the first thing I want to say is kudos to your care team, right? Because I have heard so many scenarios where they are not as aggressive in helping you get to the next steps that are necessary for your career. And, you know, I just want to acknowledge the priority of that because you got to have physicians who are engaged, who want your health to be successful, who are Vested in you. Vested. Gotta have that. Almost more, almost more than you because they know more than you. And I tell people that within sharing my story, you know, um, people, some people miss the point of the message and have made comment as to why I'm always talking about either the hospital. I said, you, y'all, you don't understand at any given point in this journey, one of them could have told me to eat more carrots. To, to increase my beta carotene, to um, give me a blue light protector. Uh, um, we, we stress, stop stressing. It's probably stress. I mean, I could have been told so many things that also possibly could have been valid. Like those things are, are viable issues too, but they knew they had enough for one, awareness about brain tumors, to have their fingers crossed and hope that's not what it is, but I'm not going to let my pride, 
a, a, a apathetic mentality or anything, I'm going to get this girl into the hands of somebody else that, that is more knowledgeable than me. So when I tell you those four men have taken care of me from that day to this day, and I know that's not everybody's testimony and experience. Oh, and I recognize it as a blessing. That's why I treat it as such, because I know that it is. I know many of horror stories, as you mentioned, that I've learned since becoming a survivor, where a person's experience of discovery, the the, the journey from discovery to diagnosis did not go like that. So I do not take that for granted ever. I'm forever grateful. I thank them every chance I get. Their birthday, National Doctors Day. If I bump into them, I'm saying thank you every time. That is, it's incredible because um, I know stories where it didn't go that way. So, so major kudos to them. But let me ask you this. So we get to September and you are facing a complex surgery. So I, I mean, you talk about a whirlwind in the course of a, a nine month span, it has just really turned your yes. complete life around. Help me understand what emotions you're experiencing in that moment and how did you find strength? In the moment, sometimes, and I've never been so afraid that you you almost go a little numb. It's, it's like you're seeing stuff happen. I, I remember listening to Dr. Zuccarello and there were points in time that it sounded like his voice was echoing. It's like, this is just this is not real and and when he turned around and showed me the MRI for the first time seeing that it literally looked like a piece of cauliflower is in your head you know it it was it was just like blink 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 like this is unreal so when he leaves the room and says, you know, he's going out to find a, you know, select a surgery date. Now, mind you, this is August the 28th. I turned to my husband and I said, you know, this is me. I've just been diagnosed with a brain tumor. I've just been, I've just learned that I need to have a brain surgery. And he did say soon. He said soon. And I turned to him, to my husband and say, well, maybe we can do it in November, December, over the holidays so that it won't put too much stress and strain on my mother and your mother and and our families because they're going to have to help you with the kids. My first thought was them because I know my role and my position within my family. So my first thought was my children and my husband and how we're going to get through this and what can we do to make it easier for them. And and so when Dr. Zuccarello came back out, he said, what about September the 4th? And I about fell out, eyes this big. He's like, what's the problem? I said, oh my goodness, I can't do that. I can't do that. He said, why? I said, my son's birthday party is on the 5th. It's going to be five. It's the big one. It's going to be five. And I said, I don't care how much anesthesia you're going to give me. I will be thinking about him the entire time and nothing will knock me out. I promise you. Mm -hmm. And I said, I trust you. I do. I do trust you. And I did because the confidence and the care and concern that he showed towards me while we were talking, it was very father-like. It was very, it was, and and I felt that with me not having my father anymore, he wasn't clinical. He wasn't sterile. He he was caring and telling me what needed to be done and, and all of that. And, and he said, okay, well, let me go back out. So he goes back out in a few minutes and I look over at my husband and I'm like, oh my God, he means right, like right now. I'm, November was it, like that to me is a month or two. I'm thinking a month or two to get everything together. And he meant right now, he comes back and he said, well, what about September the 9th? And then I start crying. He said, what is wrong? I said, that is my son's literal birthday. 
That's the birthday. That's why we're having the party on the 5th, which is the weekend. The birthday's on the Tuesday, you know. And but he was looking at me like I I have we have to do this. And so in that moment I basically just surrendered. And that's 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 the moment also that faith downloaded fully and completely and said, "Okay, we're going to do this. We're going to do this." And but I attribute that a big part of that to to Dr. Zuccarello for how he treated me in that moment. And I also tell people that wasn't the first time that I had to have some faith Um, for people that do know me personally. I was a teen parent. I had my daughter when I was 15. And in that moment, I, of course, didn't have any understanding as to why that was happening. But I later learned that I had to go through something earlier in my life to build that faith and trust in God that he could get me through before coming to this moment. That That is so, so powerful. So it sounds like to me, you know, some people, they go to Google right away and they trying to figure out all the ins and outs. Did you do any research? Did you find that what you researched helped? Did it make you more anxious or were you just kind of following your doctor's leads? Well, I think, I think, you know, we, people often say sometimes, you know, the internet will spook you out and different things. And I, and I'm, and I'm, I'm a little grateful to God for the fact that I didn't have time to do that. Those 12 days went by in the blink of an eye. I didn't have time to log on to anything and look up anything. What I did do, um, I knew that I couldn't say that two and three and six and seven, eight, nine times. I knew I couldn't. I have a big family. I have a close family. And I knew I wasn't going to be able to get that out over and over and over. So I, since everyone was there, family and friends, at my son's birthday party, I waited until it was all over and shared the news of what was going to be happening in the next four days. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, we did. We, we grabbed hands and we prayed. But we did not, and I did not, we, we, we didn't speak, Lord, please don't let Billy die. We, we didn't say any of those kind of words. It's just like, Lord, we're trusting you in this process and, and, and take care of Billy within this and heal her. And the day of my surgery, before the anesthesiologist came in, I asked for a moment by myself and prayed that prayer. And I said, Lord, I'm going to be real honest. I don't feel death on me. I don't feel that. I do not feel that you are choosing this to be the end of my story. That's not even as scared as I am. That's not what I'm fearing. I said, but what I do fear is I don't know what life is going to be like after this. I I don't know. Am I going to be in a wheelchair? Am, Am I going to be in my right mind? You know, things like that. And I said, and I know that you can use the lame man, the blind man. I know you can. But I'm asking, I'm praying for restoration. I want you to restore me so that nothing gets in the way of me sharing my testimony, how you know I would do it because you made me. You know that you you made me a go hard or go home type of girl. You you gave me a bold spirit so you know that there's nothing that that's going can get in the way and going to stop me from sharing this testimony. So I'm just asking. If if you can restore me so that I can do it fully how I would want to do it. And that's what he did. Now, I will say this. I didn't look up anything. But once I got the actual diagnosis, uh, I got two best friends that whose birthdays are in the summer. And one of my best friends I've literally known since the third grade. And as I as as I was processing the information, something said, I think. This is what Leslie had. So Leslie is my my friend's older sister. So I called her and we were heading to another friend's birthday party and we riding to Cincinnati. And I said, can we ride together? 
because I, I want to talk to you about something. And so I tell her what they said. And I said, remember when you called and told us to pray for Leslie some years ago? Was it, was it something like this? And she said, yes. She said, yes. Leslie had a brain tumor. And then she began to tell me that full story because at the time it was just pray for my sister. And we know sometimes it's too heavy to even explain what's going on. But when somebody say pray for me, pray. So at that point, she tells me the entire story. And and that's what it was. So if you if you are familiar, if you already if I already got any believers out there, you will know that I have a, a handful of hashtags. And one of them is I am your one. Billy's Believers. From Tumor to Triumph, I am your one. The reason that I say I am your one is I only had one real live person that I could talk to about this. And I'm saying that to say if if any of us got a breast cancer diagnosis today, we're not going to be happy about it. But your first question is not what is breast cancer? Like starting from ground zero, don't even know what it is treatment, best hospital, all the multitude of initial questions that come to you when you receive like a health diagnosis. I said, you know, but you ask somebody about a brain tumor, the room kind of goes quiet because of the lack of awareness and information. You don't know the next thing or the next step to say. So because I was able to talk to Leslie and ask her real specific question, how did you feel afterwards? When did you go back to work? What was it like, you know, to have that conversation? And she shared all of that with me. That was enough. She was my Google. She was my internet search. She was the pamphlet that I've never seen. She was the commercial that I never saw to get those questions answered. So when I came on the other side of it, when I opened my eyes and said, oh, Lord, you kept me. I am still here. (laughs) You know, I said, well, if by me sharing my my story and my testimony, I become somebody else's one, then my mission is accomplished because all I had was one. I didn't have 40 women to go talk to about this. I had one. Girl, that, and- that, that right there is so powerful because the Bible tells us we are strengthened by the testimony of others, that we understand that we can overcome when we hear the yes. testimony. And I am so glad, yes. honestly, that you didn't Google you because it, exactly. it disrupts and it causes so much fear when you're trying to figure it out on your own. Correct. I yes. am so glad that you trusted the process and that God raised up somebody that you could tap into with a story of victory that allowed you to know that you could get through this yes. experience. Yes. That is beautiful. And literally like big sister, like, like not just as many random encounters I've had with other people affected by brain tumors. This was big sis. (laughs) So, I mean, we got down to the nitty gritty and I could be fully open and transparent and she could with me and we cried and we hugged, you know, and I tell her all the time, she just celebrated her 13th anniversary. She just celebrated that. And I, and she, and I, and I, you know, I gave her a, a, a love gift and I said, I'm so, I'm just, she's like, you don't have to. I said, girl, you, you don't understand. I don't, this gratitude will probably never dry up, you know, because you're all I had in that moment, in that moment, you are all I had and you could have it could have been too much that you didn't want to talk about. I mean, you could have had some genuine, legitimate reasons of not wanting to talk about it because a lot of people don't like to talk about it. It's 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 a very painful point in people's lives because it is a day that everything turned upside down. And for a, and for a lot of people, even including myself a bit, it hasn't turned all the way back around. The fact that she did that, I'm forever grateful to her. And and I just, you know, I've known third grade friend. I mean, God was planting and, and doing this <laughs> in 1986 
I mean, it's just crazy, crazy. She's literally like a big sister. And so, and, and so we have, we share that bond and it's crazy. That's beautiful. It is beautiful. So for as much as you're comfortable, um, as much as you can remember, um, as much as you want to share, walk us through your surgery experience. So I don't know. I'm a, I have a whole, give me five seconds. I'm going to try to put this on the screen, right? And hopefully you can see it. Mm-hmm. Can you see that? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's me going into surgery. Mm-hmm. September 9th, 2014, 5.54 a.m. I took that picture after I prayed and the anesthesiologist is getting ready to come into the room. Mm-hmm. And I posted that picture to let folks know, like, kind of, I'm getting ready to go in. Mm-hmm. And this is me 13 hours later. Wow. Wow. This is me. How many days was it? Four days later, I'm getting ready to come home. Mm-hmm. I done twisted my hair. <laughs> I got my Superman tank top on. And we get ready to go home. Wow. Four days later. Yeah. This is home recovering. Wow. Couldn't go up steps. Um, had to sleep on my couch for weeks, propped up on pillows, just had to sleep straight up, ring a bell for my kids and my family to bring something to me. It was, it was nuts, right? So the biggest thing that I was worried about once I'm now home is I said to myself, when I get home, mind you, my son just turned five. My middle daughter was 12 and my oldest daughter was was graduating from college. It's her senior year of college. So all my kids were at a very pivotal point in their just development and, and growing up. That a brain tumor doesn't just affect you, it it affects everybody around you, specifically your family, especially me as their mother. Mm-hmm. At at times where they would need me the most. I'm trying to put the pieces back together just to eat, just to show up for myself mm-hmm. and would barely have energy and, and brain space to give how they were accustomed to, how they need it, how they deserve, because I'm putting the pieces of the puzzle back together for me. Mm-hmm. So one of the things I was really worried about was that my son would be afraid of me. I'm, I'm like, I look like Herman Munster. Like, I'm, you know, this is textbook, scary monster type of stuff. So I kind of gave myself a pep talk and said, you know, Billy, don't take it personal. If when you come home, he runs, he cringe, he's fine. I mean, you're, my head was swollen, eye out to here. I mean, I'm showing the pictures, but even these don't really do it total justice to see it, right? So I'm worried about him seeing his mom like this. Mm-hmm. This is him every day. That's Coming cute. home from school. Mommy! Mommy! <laughs> I swear that, I mean, just everything that I was, this is him. Mm. Never flinch, never scared, never anything. Awesome. So even the things that I was worried about you know, God handled them. That's the scar, the staples. Mm-hmm. And I and and I told myself, I said, this is like sort of kind of people may not do this, but it was too, it was everything was new. And so I I I captured my whole journey. Mm-hmm. This is this is what it would look like. This is how I would have to have the radiation. Mm-hmm. mask on the face locked down and going into this machine you talking about your claustrophobia kicking up and this is after I started and it begins to burn your skin from the inside out mm-hmm. 
and that's in December. I started in November. And so by December, that was the damage. Mm -hmm. And so you, it was benign, but you still had to do radiation treatment. Yes. So in the, in the world of brain tumors, just a quick um, lesson in in brain tumors, um, they are grades and they go from grade one to a grade four. Mm -hmm. So grade one is okay. Everything's good. Tumor's benign. Nothing, no cause for alarm here. Mm-hmm. Grade two, still benign, but there's the possibility that if any two of these cells manage, if they're left behind and manage to get back together, we can start this party again mm-hmm. and you'll have what we call a regrowth or a reoccurrence. Mm-hmm. So the radiation the radiotherapy was suggested to prevent that. It wasn't mandatory, but it it was highly suggested. And I chose to add that treatment to my care plan. How long did it take you to get back to um, 50, 60, 80% after your treatment plan? So you had surgery in September. When were you kind of like, okay, I'm ready to get back into life? I've, I've, I've been called the energizer bunny. Uh, uh, <laughs> I got a lot of energy, right? So um, the, the, the radiotherapy does make you tired. And I ended those 33 rounds in January and went back to work in February. And honestly, I felt okay. Now I went back to work only part-time no more than four hours a day, you know, so gradually easing back into what I was doing. But me me personally, also, I was a school administrator at the time, and my particular role was the director of family and community engagement. So again, even while I'm at home, I'm thinking about my babies, which is what we call them. I'm thinking, who is making sure Antonio got this? And who is making sure that Bobby is not doing this? And who is making sure the greens have what they need to get ready for? I mean, you know, so I was ready to come back just because of of what I did. I loved my job at the time. So, you know, I think the other thing that I found very powerful as I combed through your page (laughs) was Billy's Believers. Like, tell me about the Believers Squad. Tell me about how all that came about. It makes you smile and just beam with so much pride. So tell me about Billy's Believers. So Billy's Believers, the name of that came solely from, um, after I came home from surgery, I had an issue, uh, a very scary night where my incision started leaking. It was kind of late at night. And so I was panicking in the moment. And I said, oh, wait a minute. They told me to check that post-op folder if anything goes wrong. Mm -hmm. And so when I opened that folder, there was a brochure in there for the fifth annual walk ahead for a brain tumor cure. And in that moment, I said, you are lying to me. We have a walk, you know, an awareness walk means you official. <laughs> I said, I am not the only person on the planet, me and Leslie. What the what? I mean, I was like overjoyed, overjoyed. Now the walk though was, was coming up on October 15th, I think of that year. And mind you, this day is September the 20th or something. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh man, I can't do it this year but I said God willing I'm not only and you would have to know me because when I talk because this was me talking to the brochure I said God willing he keep me I'm not only going to be walking in that walk I'm going to be leading that walk and I think God chuckled like you don't even know what you just did you don't even know what you just tossed into the atmosphere so October 2016 you have to choose a name for your team. And I said, I want to be called Billy's Believers because I had to believe that I was going to come out on the other side of this before I even went under the knife. 
So my team, my walk team was just Billy's Believers and my friends and family came from far and wide and walked with me that day to this day. Now the seed of that, I give full credit to my mother. My mother always worked at an agency, a serving agency, whether it was Children's Services, the Dayton Urban League, um, always serving on boards that serve the community. So I tell people I've never even seen anything else. This is literally all I know. That is so awesome. And I love how when you saw that it spurred just like a challenge to you, like I am going to be yeah. there. And I <laughs> oh, yes, I was just like, I said yes. And so, so, to, so now my, my, my believer squad, it started with family and friends. Now my squad consists of other brain tumor survivors. And if, I don't know if you scrolled enough to see the the photo shoot that I that I gifted to my fellow survivor friends in May, which May is Brain Tumor Awareness Month. That's our month. And I don't know if it's showing clearly through the screen, but gray is our color. And gray was already my favorite color literally since high school. And I said, Lord, you know how to do it. You just done pin you know you just put this together to make it so natural and easy for me to do what I said that I wanted to do and so now the squad is other survivors still family and friends and then what were once strangers people that don't even live here that found my page like you did searching for brain tumor awareness, brain tumor support, and thank God for the algorithms or however that works. Somehow I come up in your feed, in a person's feed, and I have means for them to reach out to me via phone or email to have to someone to talk to. And and I and I'm very mindful of I don't try to play doctor. Uh, I am one person, but I do try to make myself available if somebody just needs somebody to talk to about it, ask a question or two the same way that Leslie did for me. That's awesome. So when we come back from our commercial break, uh, we're going to dive a little bit into how faith played a role in your journey and how you value legacy. I know you hear it. You hear it just like me. Listening to Billy's story is such a excellent reminder and example of embracing your power in action. In fact, she has exemplified with great example all of the success superpowers. Now, it doesn't matter that her situation was as traumatic and devastating as it was. She still was able to see herself successful. She still was able to shake off fear and do the work. She was still able to take care of herself and hold fast to her faith. That's the thing I love about the success superpowers. It doesn't matter what the situation is. You can apply them and you can win. You can rise above any situation, any circumstance, any condition by simply embracing your power. This is the reason why we must understand the principles and how to apply them to our lives. And this is the reason why my book, Embrace Your Power, can help you in your journey. You see, when we face situations and we face decisions and we face choices and we even face hard moments like this, like that which Billy is sharing, we can take those superpowers and we can win. And so I want to invite you, if you haven't yet gotten a copy of my book, Embrace Your Power and Go, and you're wondering how you can put the principles in action, today's conversation is by far the best example I have seen of someone who truly is flying high on the success superpowers. I invite you to check it out. 
It's available on Amazon. So now that we're back, Billy, I want you, I mean, it was peppered through, but I could tell that you were born and raised loving the Lord. And I would imagine, I would imagine that your faith and determination were really key throughout this entire experience. So tell me a little bit about how your faith helped get you rooted for what you went through and how much you want to just thank God for bringing you through and what it meant to you to be able to lean into his love the way that you did. Well, like I said, I got to give full credit to my mother. She prayed over us and gave us to him in the womb. And so Um, When you talk about a praying grandmother and a praying mother, that is the environment that I was blessed to grow up in. Now, I do share, aside from Leslie, who was specifically a brain tumor survivor, even though my father had um, diabetes and my mother has had uterine cancer. So I've had family members to, you know, have some, some health issues. But the the person that I saw totally whole, broken all the way down, all the way down and come back up was my pastor. I'm a proud member of the Omega Baptist Church. And before my diagnosis, and I believe it might have been maybe three, four years, my pastor had a, I can't even pronounce it. it. It was it's it was a crazy condition, but I mean it had, it was to the point where we were asked to pray, like 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 he wasn't going to make it through. And when he began to come back to the church, and it took a long time, he came back in a wheelchair. He came back with a bib on the the very thing that I was petrified of that like having like life after this surgery being like this I can't walk I I can't talk because I can't fully comprehend where I'm at and what's going on and I'm watching this and and the whole time I said Lord I know that this is such a selfish prayer but I need you to to save my pastor and heal my pastor because he showed God to me in a way that I finally really fully understood it. And so I was just like, Lord, I'm, oh, he can't, like you got to. And so if you saw pastor today, you would have no idea anything like that happened. So I was able to see that whole process of healing that took years, years, years and years before me receiving my diagnosis. And my guiding scripture through all of this was Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans that I have for you. I kept telling myself, for whatever reason, no, I would not have chose to give myself a brain tumor. I would never have raised my hand for that. But I have to trust and believe. And I have, that is still a challenge because some days are really hard. When I'm having a day that I can't get my thoughts together, that uh, the tent is getting ready to rain and it's like somebody pulled the plug on me and I drain like a battery. I have a headache that no aspirin can handle. It just have to wait till it passes. When my, when my kids need me and I'm like, you guys, I just need a break. I just need a moment, but they need me. But I push through. Mm-hmm. I push through. That's powerful. So, so powerful. Thank you for sharing that. So I was reading too, that you have this advocate role, head to the hill advocate role there in Ohio to increase funding for cancer programs. Um, How did you move into that role? And what does that mean to you? It means, it means a lot being asked to be uh, a head to head to the hill Ohio advocate to be asked to be uh, a hope ambassador for UC Health. All of those things. I, I mean, I could go on and on and on. They they blow my mind every time I've gotten a call, received 
an email, asking, anything like that. And so um, the one of the days that I saw a post, it was the last day to apply for a survivorship to go to head to the hill. And I started crying because it just, it was a random pop-up. You know, I, I wasn't to the point to where like now I intentionally go to their page. I mean, they're going to come up in my feet, but I intentionally go to the page because I know there's information that I want to share on my page with other people about webinars and, and the resources that are out here. But at the time, they were still new to me. So the, when I saw the post, I said, it would be today is the last day to apply because head to the hill, we literally go to Capitol Hill. So there's there's flight and hotel and registration and that you have to, that has a cost to get there um, if you are chosen also to be one of the delegates. And I said, I because you have to know me, I talked to myself and I'll pull this up. I talked to myself, I talked to the Lord like, well, Lord, you said, ask not, have not. So um, I'm going to submit this this uh, application at this ninth hour and 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 hope you can do some magic. And he did. I got the I got the survivorship. That first time being on on Capitol Hill. And so the day of the day of head to the hill. Is, is the National Day of Advocacy for the U.S. government. So when you go, there's other organizations there on behalf of their cause and mission. So you'll see, as we saw the Girl Scouts, Red Cross, everyone who is representing that organization, that is our moment and, and opportunity to speak directly to our senators, state representatives, everything about uh, specific bills and laws that are going to be coming across their their deaths that directly affect us. So it means it means a lot. Can I can I just say that you <laughs> have completely blown me away? I am so grateful that you didn't go somewhere and crawl under a rock. I am so grateful that you called off the pity party and that you said, I'm going to show up. I am so grateful that you found faith, hope, and courage to press on. I am so grateful that you chose to live out loud because when you live out loud, you unconsciously make it available for other people to know they can do it too. And while you had so much stacked against you, while you had to face down fear, you have become a champion. (laughs) You have become a champion. And I just want to tell you that, I love it. I honor it. I respect it. I celebrate you. You are phenomenal. Phenomenal. You are phenomenal. And I want you to know that. I want you to know that I believe you are one incredible woman. And thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Around these parts, I challenge people to build a life that they love without apology. And you are doing that in such a powerful way. I always like to close out tapping into wisdom. And you've already shared plenty. But if there are a few more nuggets, let's see what you have to say. So what's your life wisdom? What would you tell your younger self about life if you could? I would tell younger self, do not disregard the golden rule and all the things that you were taught on how you're supposed to be. And don't let people make you doubt that. 
Because wow. I have said to myself many times, I was told that if you, you treat people and you tell the truth and you do this and you do that, you know, this is how we are to live. And, and it has been many a days that I'm like, I feel like I've been lied to because, <laughs> you know, this person did the exact opposite of, of what my teacher said they were going to do or my mother said that they were going to do. You know, they hurt me for no reason or and so. Stick, just stay true to the golden rule. Stay true to it. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you, even when they don't do it unto you. That's Still good. do unto them. So what about love wisdom? What would you tell your younger self about love if you could? What I would tell my younger self is you need to love you as much as you love other people. Putting you first is not selfish, is self-care, is self-preservation, is pouring into your cup so that you have something to pour out for the other person. Yeah, someone once said that we should be given from our saucer, that what's in our cup is for us. You get the overflow. Take from the saucer. Mm -hmm. there it is I'm Mm -hmm. a visual girl that's perfect Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) the overflow Mm -hmm. the overflow overflow. yes Yes. and then finally your happiness wisdom what would you tell your younger self about happiness if you could I what I would tell my younger self about happiness is that the things that was bringing you joy then and happiness then that's your core don't lose that. Don't lose that. No matter what the trend is, no matter what a person says or or anything, the things that make you happy, do them unapologetically. I will buy tickets to a concert and go by myself now because I love music. I love music. Music is is my healing. It's, it is who I am. And that, well, nobody wanted to go with me and and things like that. The things that just come across um, natural moments. And then so you don't go. Why would you, girl, why did you do that? Go to that concert. Go to that concert. Buy that book. Get your nails done. If you were were, a primp and, you know, Fancy, fancy girl, do those things. If you a laid back, chill person, do what makes you happy because it's going to be so many things to come across to try to take it from you. So now, Billy, before we close out, I want to make sure we uh, let people know where they can follow you, get in touch with you. Um, you definitely are inspiration and we want to make sure they know how to get in contact. Oh, I appreciate that. Okay, so right now I am um, just on the social media platforms. So as a visual person, when you see this, that's me. So if you can follow me at Billy's Believers, and there's no E on the Billy. If you put the E in, you're going to find something else. But Billy's Believers from Tumor to triumph on Instagram and Facebook. You can follow me and connect with me there. I am uh, going through the process to become official and get a website and all those things. But for now, we can definitely connect on Instagram and Facebook. And if you are impacted by brain tumors in any kind of way, yourself, you are a caregiver, you are um, a a loved one, you're the parent of a child that's been diagnosed, just any form or fashion, want to know and learn more, just a a compassionate citizen, you can reach out to me at billysbelievers at gmail.com and my personal line of the Believers line of 937-985-3859. 
That's so beautiful. Thank you for being available to serve. Um, You are making such a huge difference. And I just want to close out by saying success looks so good on you. And I want to thank you again for just lifting your voice and being available to serve. Well, that's it, beautiful. Thank you for tuning in. Don't ever forget that you are truly blessed with life, love, and all the happiness your heart can hold. Be relentless in building a life you love without apology. I'm Denise Taylor, and you can always find me in our free Facebook community. It's Embrace Your Power, easy to find. Now be sure to rate and review this podcast and share it with a friend and make sure you subscribe so that we can stay connected each week. And remember, God has not given us a spirit of fear. He gave us power. So be sure to always embrace your power and go.